Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Most of us, when we think of the heroes of the faith, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's still a generational thing, but we think of men, you know, men such as Moses and Daniel and Paul, uh, Abraham. But we must not discount the, the role of, of women and, and how God has used them to be models for our faith. Women such as uh, Ruth and Deborah and Hannah and Mary and Dorcas, uh, to name such a few. And if we also take into account how the culture looked at women when when these events took place, it speaks even higher uh, of these women and, and, the, and their faith to become examples for us today. There are five women that I would like to introduce you to you this morning, women that I am sure many of you have never heard of, but nevertheless women whose example of faith is something that we all should emulate in, in our lives. These women are all sisters and, all, and are all daughters of a guy by the name of Zelophehad. And we see them introduced to us in four short verses in Numbers 27. But before we get into our passage, I need to, to set the stage um, for, for this this morning about these women. To fully understand the passage I'm going to share, we need to have an understanding of the Israelites and their relationship with the Promised Land. In uh, 2000 B.C., God, approximately, God promised to Abraham uh, a, a promised land, and he traveled to it and occupied it for a period of time. In 1500 B.C., due to uh, famine, the Israelites followed their, um, their um, uh, descendant Joseph into Egypt, where Joseph had been there previously and had stored up grain for both the Egyptians and also in preparation for the Israelites to come there. So the Israelites eventually, uh, uh, as they were in occupying um, Egypt, they you know, began to multiply, as most people do, and take over more and more things. The Egyptians were beginning to fear these Israelites that you know, they were going to take over. And so they forced them into slavery to, to take care of that problem. And then in uh, 1260, or approximately B.C., Moses came on the scene, and we're all familiar with the story of how Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land. So we're, 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 we need to turn to, into Numbers. Numbers 13 um, kind of is, helps us set the stage for the passage that we're going to be, is going to be our passage for this morning. Numbers 13, verse 23. And and God told Moses, okay, they had left Egypt. They're right on the border of the Jordan River, getting ready to enter into this promised land that had been promised to them for a thousand years or so. And, and, and God said, so they sent these spies in to check out the land. And this is their, part of their report back to Moses and the people. And they came to the valley of Eskel and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. Can you imagine cutting down a branch full of grapes, and the only way you were able to carry it 
as this passage, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. It took two men with a pole with this huge cluster of grapes on them. And, and they also brought back some pomegranates and figs. And, and they told Moses and the people, verse 27, we came to the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. This is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Who are they? They're giants. They're giant, giants in the land. So let's move on down to chapter 14. And so the people hear this report. Well, yeah, they like the phrase, uh, you know, land of milk and honey and all the fruit and all that stuff. They didn't like hearing about giants. They didn't like hearing about fortified cities that, that God told them that they were going to have to conquer. They didn't like the, the huge walls and all that. So then, so the people started grumbling and complaining and rebellion, and then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, they were two of the spies that went in, son of, um, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. So here's these two guys saying, man, we can take them. You know, don't worry. God is with us. God's going to give us success um, over, over this land that he has promised to us. Go on to uh, Numbers uh, 14, 26. And so, but the people, they didn't change their mind. The majority of them were still complaining and grumbling. No, we don't want to go there. And basically, and the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumbled against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. So basically, and if you read further in the passage that we don't have time to, um, God said, okay, if you guys don't want to go into the promised land, so be it. You can continue wandering around out here, and every one of you 20 years and older, except for Joshua and Caleb, and even including Moses, will die over the next 40 years. You'll die in the wilderness, and we'll try it again in 40 years from now. And I just wanted to do a, a snapshot forward about 50 years or so. This is after, I'm, I'm kind of giving away the plot here. They did, 40, they did do 40 years of wandering. They did go into the, the promised land. And this is Joshua's final report before he dies, after occupying all the promised land. And he said, you went over the Jordan and, and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Pizzerites, and the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Gizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your, land, into your hand. And I said, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. God did it. 
Verse 13, and I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. It's important to understand this relationship between the Israelites and the promised land because it's also a picture, it's a type for, for, for us in regards to our salvation today through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, a, a type or a picture is not exact representation, so don't think if you come to Christ today that you're going to get a few acres in, in the promised land. It's, it's just it's a, a, a representation of that. But it's important to, to take some of the principles that we see here in regards to the, to the Israelites in the promised land, and they also apply to us today. So let me introduce to you these five daughters of Zelophehad, found in Numbers 27, verses 1 through 4. Let's turn there. Kind of to get a feel of the culture of the day, you notice there's a lot of sons mentioned and very few daughters. Uh, Verse 1, Numbers 27, Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Makar, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest, and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sins. Basically, these daughters are saying, yeah, my, our dad wasn't part, wasn't part of the group that rebelled. They, he, they, he wanted to go in 40 years ago, but he, along with many of them, suffered because of the lack of faith and the consequences of the majority who chose not to go in. Verse 4, um, okay, and, and I'm sorry, the end of verse 3, and he had no sons. So these, these five daughters are saying, our dad died and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. The theme of my message this morning will be for us to learn about these young women exercise faith by their actions and most importantly how this faith should be a model for each of us today you would have to know hebrew to understand that these women all came from a godly home notice that each of the names of the daughters end in ah or ah ah is a contraction of the hebrew name for jehovah so that each of these girls bears in her name the name of God. That was a common practice am- among the Israelites, especially those who had a, a, a strong faith. They would incorporate that into their name. The name Zelophehad, the father, also um, has significance. It means protection against fear. What is protection against fear? Does anyone know what protection against fear There's only one thing found in Scripture as a protection against fear, and that's faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. 
Faith is the conqueror of fear. Whenever you are plagued with fears of any kind, the answer to that fear is, is faith. That is why Jesus says in Luke 8.50, Luke 8.50, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear or only have faith. First Peter 5.7 is a, is a favorite passage of mine. It's been a lifesaver for me, in fact, over the years. It says, casting all your anxieties on him, casting all your anxieties on him, why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Faith conquers fear. So it's apparent that these ladies had been trained in the matters of faith and had come from a godly family and heritage. So that's kind of the baseline here with these, these, with these five ladies. Why is the entire congregation gathered around Moses? And why are these women wanting to come before him? The people of Israel were nearing their their 40 years of wandering because of their rebellion or the rebellion of the majority mentioned earlier. Zelophehad has died and has orphaned the five women. We assume there's no mention of the mother, but they're basically considered orphans in their culture because the dad has died. Moses was now very old and near death as well. He had led the Israelites for the, the, the last 40 years of wilderness wandering because of the majority's rebellion, refusing to go into the promised land. A whole new generation now has arisen, except for Moses, who's about ready to die, and Joshua and Caleb. They're going to be the ones that are going to take him in here in a, in a little bit, but that's another day. And, um, and they're anticipating entering into the land. They have come together to divide up the land. That's why the whole masses, and, and the, they mentioned the congregation. It, it's estimated that's about a million people, including the men, women, and children. So a million of these people have come together. And the count has all, this has always been thrilling to me. It's, I, I, I just love this part of Scripture and the stories here in the Old Testament. To see how these people are so confident that God will fulfill his promise to give them this land that even before they've entered it, even before they've entered it, they are dividing it up in faith. They, they, they know that God is going to deliver on this promise. These five ladies are, are coming to Moses because their father is dead and they have no brothers. And according to the Jewish tradition and the law that states that an inheritance can't be passed on to them or any woman. An inheritance can only be passed on to a man. Entering the promised land is something that these God-fearing women have been longing to do since they can remember. They have heard the stories of how the people had, had, had you know, how their, their, their countrymen had moved to Egypt for the food uh, their ancestor Joseph had provided for them. How their sharing the land in Egypt had turned into years of slavery for them. And now their personal experience, the, the 40 years of wandering because of the rebellion of their, of their parents and, and countrymen. The only thing that kept the Israelites focused to persevere during this 40 years was the promise of a land set apart for them by God. And now 
because of tradition and the law, they are forbidden their share of the promised land. What, what these ladies do here is such an act of faith, but let's pause and, and address exactly what faith is before we see exactly what they did. From the point of creation to this day, faith is the only source of blessing from God. Period. It is it. That's the only source of blessing from God is through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. There is nothing that will come into your life from God apart from the channel of faith. Granted, we all have lots of things. Some of us have far more than others. But these things that we have, they deceive many of us who look at, at what I have and say, hmm, boy, God, God has, has blessed me, but you've been fooled. You've been deceived by the glamour of your things that God has blessed you. He hasn't. The only source of blessing from God is through faith. What Scripture is talking about when referring to the blessings, these are the things of eternal well, things that will make an eternal difference in your life, and in the lives of others, there can, these can only come through faith in God. No, uh, no um, eternal blessing, no eternal achievement, no eternal victory can ever be yours except as you take it by faith. This is the theme that runs all through the pages of the Bible. There never was anything taken from God except that it came by faith. Faith is acting on what God says. God says this, if you act on it, you're exercising faith. It always involves a choice of the will, a choice uh, resulting in activity of the body or of the mind. Here's a a wonderful way to remember this is an acrostic form. Faith is forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. That all is a word that usually catches, hooks us up, that it's an all-inclusive. Not, well, this, not that, but no, it's all. These five ladies are a demonstration to us of what faith looks like. These five ladies coming before Moses is the first step of faith. They manifest to us a, a determination, a willingness to be intent on wanting something. You know, God, God des- delights in us coming before him and asking him. God, God I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I, um, you know, uh, you know I, I can't say it enough, you know, how, you know, a parent loves to meet the, the, the needs of their children, how grandparents love to meet the needs of their grandkids. God is the same way. God loves to, to hear our requests, hear our prayers, and meet our needs. We also see here faith that is daring. I don't know what your picture of Moses is. Probably a lot driven by the, the movies. And I think most of the movies do a fair um, um, description of Moses. But I think it would be safe to say that you wouldn't want to fool around with Moses. Um, they were taking a risk going up before this man. I don't know if they even knew him or not. 
It was a very daring request. It was not done in private, but it was in front of a million of his countrymen who all dearly loved him. So I could see some real pride issues coming into play here that uh, would not be good. So this was a very daring move on the part of these women. The faith they exercised was intentional. They were, they were determined as well as daring. This is the type of faith that gets the attention of God. He relishes in it. These young ladies were aware that, that God had given a promise of an inheritance to the Israelites. They were part of that nation. They knew the promise involved a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of beauty, of fruitfulness, and of blessing. They desired to have the part of that which belonged to their family. As we mentioned earlier, this promised land is a picture for us of the inheritance which is promised to us in Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room this morning who came by faith to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I hope have understood this, that we have available to us an inheritance of promise flowing with milk and honey, a land of great faithfulness and abundance, a land that can be ours right now. I'm not speaking of heaven or something to come after death, but an inheritance that is for believers right now in this life. Paul says in, in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Second Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This, this is a brief description, a part of the inheritance that's for the believer in Christ. These are promises for us right now, not later on. These are our inheritance, just like the promised land, just like the promises to the Israelites. We find our inheritance detailed in many specific ways. Promises of blessing, the promise of fruitfulness, the promise of support, of comfort, of strength, of joy, of peace, and all of these marvelous attributes of Christian living. Now, God doesn't just pour these these promises, this inheritance into us when we receive Christ. You know, we don't get them instantaneously. But we have to be pursuing these just as these five women pursued them from the blessings that they felt entitled to from Moses. We have to be determined. We have to be intentional. We have to be bold in our request to have all of the inheritance God has for us. Jesus um, says in Luke 11, verses 10 and 11, this is a, a tremendously important passage, Luke 11, 10, 9 and 10. Jesus says, And I tell you that it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. You notice in 10, he repeats what he just said in 9. Whenever... God's word repeats something, you know, your, your attention should increase a little bit. Forever, for whoever you ask receives, and, the, the one, and, and everyone who seeks find, and to the one who knocks, it will be open to them. We need to be pursuing this, just like these five women did. 
We need to be, you know, pursuing these things with determination, with intention, and in boldness. So we see these, these ladies go up before Moses, Eleazar, the high priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly. And in spite of tradition, in spite of the law, they were going to step out in faith and determine, forsaking all, they were going to make their request. What did Moses do? Turn to um, Numbers 27, the rest of our passage. 27.5. Moses brought their case before the Lord. He was a smart man. He didn't know what to tell these five ladies. They had a legitimate request. Moses brought their request before the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall, you shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. These girls were right. They were right. Did God change his mind here? Not at all. The promise of the promised land was not a a condition of the law. God is basically telling Moses, hey, this is not a law issue. The law is a conditional issue. I gave this land as a free gift to the Israelites. It's not a result of what they did or didn't do. That's the same as the gift of salvation to each one of us. They didn't have to do anything to get this land. It was a free gift of God's grace, his undeserved favor unto the Israelites. And I think there's also a subtle message here on what God thinks about tradition. I, you know, I shudder to think the number and primarily the number of young people who have come before church boards and had with, with great ideas on how to minister to people and to inter, um, share the gospel with them and to provide ways, different ways to um, share, share Christ with people. And the response they've heard is, well, we just don't do it that way here. You know, God, God doesn't tolerate tradition if it goes against sharing the gospel with other people. So by forsaking all, the law and tradition, I trust in him, these five ladies got the inheritance that they were asking for from God. So now let's fast forward now a few thousand years to each of us sitting here this morning. There's a group of you here uh, this morning. At some point in your life, you said yes to Jesus Christ, and you're born again. But that has been the extent of your faith that you've exercised. You've crossed the Jordan River, and you are living in the promised land of salvation. But that's the extent of it because you have hugged close to the Jordan River. Why have a lot of us, including me, stayed close to the Jordan River? Because we see those giants, and we see those fortified walls and defended cities, and we don't want to go near them. But, but Jesus has things in your life that need to be conquered in order to have all that God has for you. And you have said, no, that I'm not going to go up against them. The walls, the cities, and the giants represent acts of service that you have turned down. And flaws in your lives that you have refused to deal with that need changing where God wants to work in your life to do great things for the kingdom of God. 
acts of service, such as working in the Sunday school classes, working with the youth, working with Vespers. We would love to have your help with Vespers. Working in the cold weather shelter, hosting and or leading life groups. You've been presented with those opportunities and you have said, no, no, I don't think I can do that. You have said, no, I don't want to go near those giants. I don't want to go near those fortified walls because I don't like what the possible outcome can be. But, but God is wanting to work in your life. And if you would step out in faith, in boldness, and in strength, and be daring, God will do a great work in your life. There's a, a man in our church, and I was going to keep him anonymous until he gave me a hard time this morning, Scott Ross. Um, Scott, when he came here to this church 10, 15 years ago, he, he's now the administrative pastor here at our church. He sat in the back row, and he made it clear to God and country that he didn't want anybody near him. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He, didn't, he just wanted to come here and check this thing out and see if it was worth his time to um, be involved in or not. He was a Christian at the time. And over time, you know, God began to melt his heart, and he, he uh, engaged, and now he's on the pastoral staff. But that 10 or 15 years ago, there's probably not a better man that represents self-reliance. And, you know, the ministry that he's in is the cold weather shelter. And the Scott Ross I knew 10 or 15 years ago would say, well, those people need to figure it out. Why am I doing this for them? He was at lunch with me um, the other day, and um, he was, you know, sharing um, his work in that and, and the blessing that he, he gets from working with that shelter. And tears were coming to his eyes as he did that. Um, there's an example of a man who has gone, plowed his way into the promised land and dealt with the giants and dealt with the fortified walls and the fortified cities. And God has changed his life. And now he looks at opportunities to serve as an opportunity to receive blessing, abundant blessing from God. And that's what needs to be going on in a lot of our lives here this morning. Um, Acts of service, as I mentioned, you are looking at these things with eyes that are not forsaking all, but you're taking into consideration to make your decisions, all the things to make your decisions. God wants to work in you and through you to effectively serve in these ministries, and most importantly, bless your socks off as a result of your faithfulness in following his leading. These giants and walls and fortified cities are also representative of character flaws that all of us have. Also, it represents dreadful things that have happened to many of you. That we have to try to to suppress these things that have happened to us. We have tried to suppress them squeeze them down so they don't see the light of day. But you know that they are not. They are as real and impacting you today as if they had just happened yesterday. You need to step out in faith and determination and in boldness to seek healing, to destroy these giants, just like 
like God did through the Israelites and for these five women thousands of years ago. There are people, no matter what has happened to you in your life, and the, these things that you've tried to suppress, you know, there are people here in this church that have personally walked through these things themselves and also are trained on how to deal with these things. They would be privileged to walk with you through these. I would enjoy talking with you as well and steering you to the right people. And now there's, I close, there's another group of folks here this morning who have not made the decision to follow Jesus. They have heard of him, but for various reasons are not willing at this point to exercise faith, to forsake all, and to trust in him. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He cares for you. He wants to fill the void you feel in your life and to bring meaning and purpose to your life, not only for today, but for eternity. I close with Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me pray for you as we close here this morning. Father God, I, um, I thank you for, for Jesus. And uh, that passage just resonates for me, that cast all your cares cast all your anxieties onto him for why because he cares for us he cares for you he loves each one of us more than we can ever imagine he loves us to the point that he took upon himself on the cross the sins that each one of us so rightfully deserve father i just pray for the person here that needs to step away from the Jordan River and begin to engage the giants and the fortified walls and the heavily defended cities and make the changes in their lives that you want to see done. They need to be engaging in ministry so that they can uh, experience the blessing and the joy of having you work through them to accomplish great things. And each of us also need to be dealing with the giants in our lives, the character flaws, the, 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 the horrific things that have happened to many of us, and we need to lay these things at the feet of the cross and go on to enjoy the promised land that you have promised to each one of us who have put our trust and faith in you. Father, I just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.